Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to a Brawl Network production, and this is Meanie's Bird Recap. Can you feel that thing that's moving out your doggone hands? That thing is beating your doggone chest right now. Can you feel it? Win or lose, these guys will be here for you after every single game. Do you think you're better than me? Here are your hosts, Giovanni Hamilton, Connor Miles, and ECW original, The Bloomy. Welcome to the Meanies Birds recap on Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network, powered by Manscaped, Fanatics, and DraftKings. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host Tyler Steggy, as always. Our Eagles Brawl insider, Ed Cross, was gracefully nice to join us tonight on this lovely loss of an evening. <laughs> and you already know that our guy, Blue Meanie, the hey. one and only Blue Meanie, hey. hosting his show, and he's wearing his Joe Go Buck Yourself shirt. Joe Buck That is absolutely what I want. That's the vibes I'm on tonight. There we go. <laughs> uh, I'm full of sarcasm tonight, so... We'll it's see. hard not to be. That's good. It's hard not to, to be. Oh, we have to have sarcastic. We have to have a sarcastic episode. This show's going to be one big Bronx cheer of a show, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, Giovanni's not here because he is uh, physically sick, uh, and we're literally we're figuratively sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Dang, Gio, the Eagles did you this dirty that they're going to make you miss the show." And he's like, "I can't do it." The biggest thing in the world it was like, "Nah, I'm good." You know, <laughs> I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use that personal time. Take a night off. Yeah. So Gio is out, but there's a lot to talk about, guys, and we'll get to it. And Gio did have a question that we'll bring up on the show, but let's just start it off. I'm gonna say it right now. Fired up, Peterson. It's over. Cut the cut the crap. It's time. Move. Time to move on. Uh, when yeah. a chapter closes, a new chapter begins, and this chapter is coming to an end. I wholeheartedly believe it. What are we feeling, guys? Are we all in agreement that Doug Peterson's his time is up? I, I don't know. I don't see how him and this team, that him and the Eagles, could coexist. coexist. Um, yeah, they made the playoffs every year, but every year was a little bit of a decline. You know, uh, you know, 2017 they made it to the Super Bowl. You know, next year they made it to you know the divisional round, and then you know last year they get eliminated in the first round. And now they're not even going to make it. And, you know, uh, I'm an Eagles fan through and through, of course. You know, that's why we're doing the show and die hard and all that good stuff. But I was I was at so at peace with them losing yesterday because I knew if they won that game yesterday, it would just been a well. Well, they made the playoffs again. And, you know, the theory is you don't want to do a, a huge oversight on everything when you're making the playoffs, you know, like. In baseball, if you're on a winning streak, you don't, you know, point out, you know, to players what they're doing wrong. You wait until you get that loss in there and you go, okay, now we got the loss out of the way. Okay, this is what you need to work on. But now that they've completely, <laughs> they're, they're, the, they're the worst of the worst in the worst division. Uh, and now, you know, they, they're in the worst division in football history and they're the worst of that. And now it's the time where they have to, you know, Jeff Flory has to, take oversight over his, his company, his, uh, team, you know, his, uh, investment and say, where are we going to be next year? And it's a, it, yeah, sorry. I thought that you were wrapping up. It, no, it's no, just, it's a marriage. It's a marriage that is, it had its high, it had its peak and that's Super Bowl, And we'll always be able to thank Doug for it. But I mean, this has been a long time coming. We, we've talked about it week after week. This isn't just this year. This, A lot of the issues were hidden because of those late season runs. And at some point, you know, if you keep sweeping things under the rug, eventually it's going to surface. And it just seems like this year it finally happened. And I'm like you said, I mean, I, I as an Eagles fan, I have never been as okay as, as seeing them lose to the Cowboys as I was yesterday. Like it was just like, 
let's completely reboot. Like let's completely reboot and, and, and you get a top 10 pick and you don't have to, you know, wonder if Doug should stay or not. Like this is, it's justifiable. I was yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I was having visions of 2008, you know, uh, ironically the same year, the Eagles had that tie with the bills. I mean, uh, the Bengals and uh, <laughs> down to the last day of the season and you needed somebody to lose in order to stay in the playoff or get into the playoffs. And that day, the Eagles needed uh, the Raiders to beat Tampa the Bay. Raiders. Yes. Yeah, all this different stuff. And today, you know, this game starts, and then the, you know you need the Redskins to lose. The Redskins are losing, and and you're like the Eagles are up, you know, fourteen to three. You're like, oh, this is like two thousand eight all over again. And then, you know, the rest is uh, history, and I got pass happy. Yeah, you know, I think we all thought maybe Jalen Hurts would save Doug's job. You know, he came on, you know, two games ago, looked fantastic against the Saints, uh, did a nice job, almost uh, led them to a win in Arizona. But then against Dallas, we saw that the same issues happening that happened for Carson Wentz, you know, an offensive line that, you know, makes way too many mental mistakes, false starts, 12 penalties, you know, half of them were false starts. I mean, just all the same ugliness reared its head. The inability to stick with the run, um, you know, to give only Miles Sanders four carries in the second half. Uh, you know, when you're still in the game, you're only two scores down, and for some reason they're playing like they're, you know, 30 points down. So all those same issues kind of reared their head yesterday. And, you know, I thought maybe there was a chance Hurts could save Doug's job, and if they won in Dallas and uh, beat Washington, then he would probably be coming back. But I just – I don't see it now. I think that – if you're Laura, you have to honestly look at this team and say, you know, we, we have uh, a lot of issues here. And and I think it starts with the head coach, you know, the, these slow starts. They got off to a fast start yesterday. Now they're not finishing in the second half. They've been outscored, you know, a lot in the second half uh, in these last three weeks. I think it's something like uh, 45 to 13 is what it is in these last three games in the second half. So, I mean, there's just so many issues that keep cropping up week in and week out. And I don't know how you can excuse a head coach for that kind of, uh, you know, for, for so many different things that have gone, gone wrong here. I don't know how many, I don't know how people can get this idea in their head that an offensive, a good offensive coordinator will fix this. Like that's not going to happen. Agreed. There's so many more. It's not just play calling. It's not just play calling. When you bring up the the consistent penalties that are happening week in and week out and these breakdowns that are happening, the special teams even. What happened? When, when, like, other than Rager's return touchdown, when has the Eagles had any, like, momentum from special teams? They don't force turnovers. They're an awful awful special teams unit this year. It's just as a whole, it's just not a well-coached team. And and people thinking that an offensive coordinator – would come in. It's not like an offensive court, co- excuse me, offensive coordinator is going to change the culture. The ch- culture is going to stay the same. Right. Yeah. And if the offensive coordinator is good, then he's going to leave like Frank Reich did. So and then you're back. Right. At square then you're, one, then right? you're back at square one next year. If yeah, it is a successful, I, I just don't think, I, I don't know how you can go back and I, I look, they fired Mike girl last year thinking like he was the problem that getting these new guys in there will help rejuvenate Doug's offense. And it didn't work. So that, if now that that showed you that it didn't work and they got worse, why would you want to go try again? Like this was the last chance. This really was the last chance to get it right. That offense was bad the last couple of years. Yes, they made the playoffs, but I mean, I think talent was the reason why they made the playoffs. They didn't have the talent to make the playoffs this year is what really comes down to too. I mean, they, the injuries caught up to them finally. It didn't caught up to them in the years past. They had a good enough talent to still be, get in the playoffs in a weak NFC, but it's not like that right now. And they don't have the talent with all these injuries that they keep suffering. It shows. I just don't think, I, I don't know how you could sit here and think an offensive coordinator fixes this. They need to move on from Doug. It's but like, Ed and, Ed and I brought it up multiple times on the show and I completely agree with it. It's 2012 all over again. This is literally the 2012 season. They're dead. Like Andy Reid's funeral season was so evident. And to me, so is Doug's. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and we're going to see how hard these guys play on Sunday night against Washington. I think they will. I think they're still playing for Doug, but there is a big talent deficiency here. And now we're starting to hear Doug today coming out and saying, well, it's the injuries. And, you know, until today, it's always been next man up mentality, this and that. But now he's really starting to kind of, 
you know, figure this thing out and get his keep his job. I mean, he's, he's saying it's the injuries. Now he's blaming. And you can say there are a lot of injuries. I mean, you put six offensive linemen on the uh, on the IR. I mean, that, that's a lot. No mm-hmm. team is prepared for that. But still, I think, you know, good teams are, are you know, they, they, they're they prepared to overcome it or at least they're prepared to look decent. I mean, some of the mistakes they're making in the turnovers, to me, that's that's preparation uh, yeah. during the week. And that is on the coaching staff. Yeah, I totally agree because uh, today Trey Thomas broke it down, uh, all the uh, the false starts that they had, and there was like so, like six of them. And then, you know, people are trying to blame it on, you know, there's a new quarterback in there, a new cadence. And they even when you break down the tape, it, was, it didn't even come down to the cadence. It just came to these guys are not prepared. It's ill, Ill prep preparation. And, you know, seeing Doug in his press conference today, I, I felt like I was watching Fredo get into the boat. You know, <laughs> just, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's great. It, it was Luca Brazzi. Uh, yeah, there, uh, you know, <laughs> with the fishes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't agree more, though. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. And, and something else too is, I mean, going back because to me, I think this is a it's it's accurate to say it's a three year sample size because you know, 2018, 2019, then this year, like. You just rarely remember any games where this team looked good for a full game. Like it's always just been a tale of two halves. If they start slow, they and they they keep it competitive. Or if they start fast, they have a slow second half. They just have a very even against bad teams. Like yeah. they played the they played the Bengals. Like and Wentz didn't play that bad against the Bengals. And still to that point, it's just there's just a, a hurdle. I don't know if it's because sometimes I'm like, well you know, your, your opening script is flawed, but then the next week Peterson has a good opening script, but then a team adjusts and then they score zero points in the second half. It's, there's just so many lapses in so many different areas and it's frustrating. Historically, historically the Eagles have always felt like it's like either a tail or two halves or, you know, if they're on fire, they wind up playing down. Right, It's always a, it's always a dogfight with them. And I think that they really rode that underdog reputation and that mentality and that momentum from it. And that's what got them to the playoffs the last couple of years. I, I just don't feel it with that team anymore. I mean, there's, I don't want to say that they're missing pieces because I think everything that happened this season proved that moving on from Malcolm Jenkins was the right point, was the right decision to make. Uh, they haven't really lost anyone really that is a difference maker i guess i would say but besides really what everybody's gonna say is frank reich so i i don't know i i think and i'm so right. tired of hearing about frank reich like right. i'm just i'm just oh, so my. tired of hearing. it's just frustrating that like there's this attachment but it's true i mean i understand same thing with the year 2017 like i love that that we got a super bowl that it's so frustrating we bring it up every show it's like but we have to because we have seen this team thrive under him but it looks like that's just the anomaly Plus, if you're going to promise a new norm and this is what you're going to give us, that's a fireball offense. Facts. Facts. Yeah, that and the, uh, the, the, the Nick Foles, you know, we should have kept Nick Foles' argument. You know, that's – yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing that too. Just uh, – especially when He's you get – saving this team. No, no. No, 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 no. Going back to being like a lack of preparation, I mean, how is it and, – and people want to, you know, again – Howie is part of the problem, but and they're they're like he can't draft, he can't get free agency. But look at all the people who leave here that like he brought to the team. Now they're not on the team and they're playing better elsewhere. Is that just is that Howie's lack of eye for talent, or is it just good coaching elsewhere where they're you know getting Sid, Sidney Jones is playing way better than he did here. And he had a couple of years here and he goes, you know, somewhere else. And all of a sudden he was one of the top, uh, one of the top backs. I think, I think there's a lot of pressure in Philadelphia, you know, along those lines. I think, I think there's just a lot more, and he's in Jacksonville, Sidney Jones. I mean, you're playing on a one win team and Jack, nobody cares about the NFL in Jacksonville. I mean, they play half their games in London for crying out loud. You you know, you do that environment. And it's, you know, it's like, ah, uh, you know, you're, it, it's a much easier environment. Oh, yeah, I live right by here. There, Nobody cares about the Jaguars. It's a bust wow. town. No, and even even like you say, Aguilar, and good for Aguilar having a really nice season. But, I mean, 
you know, Las Vegas is new to football. There's no fans that are coming out. There's just no pressure in cities like that. Not like Philadelphia, where it's a pressure cooker, and it's going to eat. I'll tell you right now, it's going to eat Andre Dillard alive uh, unless he can somehow get mentally tougher too. But, uh, you know, being the number one draft pick in this in this town is tough. Dalen Rager knows that now. Um, and even if you're not a number one pick, this the pressure just eats you up here. I mean, there's just a lot of scrutiny in Philadelphia, um, very active fan base that makes their opinions heard, and it's hard to excel here. You have to be mentally tough, and you have to be able to, like Jalen Hurts said, stay away from the rat poison. Even to the point where this weekend on the NFL on Fox, like their main story, they were playing all the audio from WIP. You know, just everything you know, fans were saying, the hosts were saying. So, this is a tough town for any sport, mm-hmm. any profession, really. Because yeah. uh, you know, me being from the world of professional wrestling, you know, this town has always been tough. You know, for professional wrestling, and I always tell people, you know, when I was wrestling in ECW, those same fans who came to ECW were the same people in the seven hundred level. At that stadium, so we're we're a tough town. We're a blue collar town. We're a busted knuckle, hardworking group of people who want a, a good return on our investment. You know, and our investment is time. Our investment is money, and uh, we keep receipts. And uh, we're not seeing a return on the, our investment of the time we're putting in as fans. Absolutely, yeah. that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it is. And you and you have great experience with it, Manny. I mean, you you you've been through it. You know, you've seen it from that side of things. And it, and it's tough. And even with social media, it's gotten even tougher. You know, some of the, some of the attacks on players and, you know, through social media, you know, everybody gave Brandon Graham a hard time when he started blocking fans, but that's kind of what you have to do, man. You have to shut down your social media account and you have to go dark, uh, you know, until your career is over, uh, especially in a city like Philadelphia. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's tough to do. I mean, these are young, you know, these are 20 something year old, kids basically that you know they're a product of that social media uh, generation so it's tough for them to do it's tough for them to stay away from it to not look at it and to not let it affect them it's funny you say that because i always say we live probably live in a generation where most nfl players have learned to read a playbook from playing video games playing madden and stuff like that and now they're you know doing it professionally it's funny you say that Dwayne haskins got cut today yeah. and i they were showing like all the old tweets about him and Doug Godably like wants to murder Dwayne Haskins. I think he, <laughs> he, he tweeted out, he was tweeting, they were tweeting like all, they're bringing back all the tweets of like Dwayne Haskins and like what went wrong this off season or like what has gone on with him. And Doug Godably, they just went on like a rampage of on Twitter and they brought up like all his old tweets of like he passed Dwayne Haskins over 50 times on Twitter. And his one tweet said that, and with no basis whatsoever, and I has not been proven. He said an NFL source told him that they that the coaching staff last year, Jay Gruden's staff, thought that uh, Dwayne Haskins was dyslexic. So I mean, hmm. it's the social media. It's it's the the. I'm sorry to say it, Ed, but it's also like the media too. Like, these, I we're in a we're in an age where we're just chasing headlines. We're trying to chase like that that hot that that uh clickbait stuff the hotline uh excuse me a hot headline just to get some takes out there man it, it, it's it's really and they don't this there's just no it's thought of a repercussion we, we we live in a world where it's a microwave mentality instead of uh you know instead of letting the the meal cook properly we throw it in the microwave heat it up in two minutes and then we eat it and we digest it and we're on to the next meal same Look, thing with uh the news he couldn't stay away Giovanni couldn't stay away that's a. This is Giovanni's Twitch right here. He's watching us right now. He couldn't stay away. I knew it. I knew it. We miss you, bud. You. We do miss you, bud. Come be feel better next week, man. Dude, I love you, Giovanni. Uh, you know, speaking about social media, Giovanni made a great point there on uh, social media last night, saying, you know, there's uh people behind the face masks and stuff like that, and with the the bullying and stuff like that, but. You know, it's a, Philly's a tough town, but uh, and like I said, we live in that mindset where everything, everything's you know, next, 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 next. I'm bored. What's next? Same yeah. with headlines. If a, a headline isn't sensational enough, you don't run with it. So, like you just said, they were you know going through old Twitter, old old tweets, looking for something to, to talk about. It's insane. Happens here a lot. It does happen. I mean, I really it happens to my people. 
it happens in my profession too. There's a somebody I knew who was a, a great young talent, and uh, he got picked up by a, a national promotion. And then somebody went through his Twitter feed, and then they caught him. You know, he, and if ironically, he was talking about you know the you know making fun of the Dallas Cowboys and stuff like that. But he was saying some salacious things. But that wrestling promotion went through his old tweet, or fans went through the old tweets, showed it to the promotion. You know, you got to care for what you say, you know? It's, it's a tough field. I mean, you need I a would really, you need a mental callus. You need to build up some sort of mental callus, you know, to survive. Did you guys read what Marcus Smith had in the Players Tribune? That's based off of Philly. That's really? based off of those fans. He, he was suicidal. He, Meanie, go read it. It's really a good piece. Marcus Smith uh, did a whole piece about being the being a first round bust and what it does to you mentally. And I mean, everything he's talking about is straight from Philly. Like this is all from Philadelphia fans. It's yeah. tough, man. It's a tough place. Love you too, Gio. Rest up, man. So let's get into Gio's question, and then we'll get into some other questions I saw. Hey, no, no, need to, no need to apologize, Gio. I mean, you're a human being. Uh, How dare you be sick, man? Right. <laughs> I told I told Ed you were sick. Look, I told Ed you were sick, and he jumped right in for you, man. So like, we're all a team here. We're all good, man. <laughs> no, we needed Ed on the show. There's a lot to talk about, man. There's a, there's a lot going on. But get well, uh, get well, man. I'll bring up Gio's question while he's watching right now, Ed. You let's just say it right now because I know I I think it. I know you think it personally. I know Tyler thinks it. I'm pretty sure Meany thinks it as well. Is Ty Roseman back in 2021? Um, who starts this one? Oh yeah, go ahead, Ed, please. Well, yeah, I, I I think he is. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I think he'll have another set of eyes, maybe to John Dorsey, who's with him now, looking at things. But I I certainly expect him to be back. Um, you know, he hasn't gone on that sales pitch for his job like we heard Doug go on that <laughs> that uh, sales pitch for his job today. But um, you know, Howie will probably talk to us next week. I would think after the season ends. Um, and we'll see, but I, I suspect he'll be back. I think that, um, you know, he kind of dug this, this, uh, this hole that the Eagles are in, in the salary cap. Um, and, and now he's got to have to figure out a way to dig out of it. Um, but I think he'll get one more year. Um, but boy, it's hard to look at some of the players that they could have had, uh, in previous drafts. And, you know, I know I've kind of defended some of his draft picks. I mean, he has done, you know, he found Malata, he found sweat, you know, he brought in some undrafted free agent guys. I mean, he he's hit on some things, but you know, he's not doing not, enough with the premium picks. That's what yeah, it is. Like, right. it's not, it, you have to, to do there to to not take you know a Justin Jefferson who's probably going to be the rookie of the year. I mean, even J.K. Dobbins in the second round. I think he's got seven or eight rushing touchdowns this year. Um, you know, Antonio Gibson. They could have had him with Washington. You know, he. You know, he's got nine touchdowns. Yeah, obviously, the receivers are, you know, they're always brought up. But there are a lot of other uh, players out there that they could have had and they didn't take um, for whatever reason. And the players they took just haven't been either developed or they just don't have the talent to play in the league. So do you think they scale? Are you, you're on the boat that they bring him back, and I'm pretty sure we all are too. But do you think that there's a chance that they scale him back and his duties back? Um. No, I think they'll stick with this, you know, so-called collaborative approach. Um, and I, John Dorsey has a, I mean, not a decent track record in drafting. Decent, I said. Yeah, and if and if he's still here, if he doesn't, you know, take one of those five openings or interview for them and get one of those five openings for the GM uh, on five different teams, then yeah, maybe he'll be that guy. But you know, another reason to keep Howie is is if you're going to dump Doug, um, you know, you're going to, you know you're going to have to have a GM come in to hire the coach. And I think Jeffrey would probably prefer that Howie, you know, be involved in that interview process, a voice that he trusts, a voice that, you know, he knows, knows the organization. Um, so I think if you're going to dump Doug, you're going to keep Howie to kind of help identify the next coach. I completely agree. Cause uh, I think if John Dorsey stays by chance, Track hacker or picking coaches doesn't get me excited, though. I will say that. Uh, but I mean, if he can help Howie with the draft, I wouldn't. I don't. I mean, as much as we kill Howie Roseman, and I mean, the fact that he's going to be a part of another head coaching search is damning. But 
uh, it's not like they pick bad coaches. I mean, they get they find they they nail the right guy at the right time when it's when they need it though. Because yes, Chip's uh, tenure was a failure, but at the beginning it wasn't. So Doug's success, I mean Doug's tenure, I wouldn't count it as a failure. I just I count it as a dying out. Uh, but it was an initial success coming off of Chip Kelly. So uh, the circumstances are a little bit different here, I think. But uh, I, I'd rather him have the say on who the head coach is rather than John Dorsey. Though that's all I know. Well, I, I've heard Buzz, and you know this kind of plays into what what Geo has here that he thinks that how he stays with the cap and nothing else. I mean, you know, I've heard that Dorsey kind of comes with a package deal with Eric Bieniemy as being the head coach. Yeah, I heard um, that. Yeah, Matt Lombardo said that as well. I've heard, I've seen some people say it. Yeah, I mean, just just from what I've been told, that it's kind of a package deal. So if the Eagles want to hire Dorsey to be the GM and put Howie, you know, in, in the cap room and have him, you know, sharpen his pencils and pull out his calculators and figure this whole thing out, then, you know, if you get Dorsey, then you're probably going to get the enemy. Yeah, and uh, color. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of Eagles fans are all over that, but that'd probably be like my low, my least anticipated. Like, you, you I would probably, I'd be like, dude. Mm. You convinced me too. I'm I, like, if we're going to do this completely reset that it seems that they're heading down for the coaching staff, get away from the reed tree and Please. completely reset because then you're going to stick with a West Coast offense with those roots and there'll be a lot of ties to Howie still. We can maybe fall back into like, who's the scapegoat? Who do we blame? Like, again, I want to completely reset. And I've seen a few people mention it. I am all on Lincoln Riley, if you can do it. (laughs) I know it's a a complete far stretch, but if if you can get him out of college and get him here, and I'm sure he'll have some type of control a little bit, Um, but there's a Joe Brady would be another one. Just get a young guy, innovative, and we all know Leary likes offense. It's going to be an offensive-minded coach. Like, I I, I don't know. I just just want to is. I know, I, I know everybody loves Eric Bonnie because of the unknown, because that's all why you love him. Like, don't say other reasons why. I know the Chiefs offense is awesome. It's it's crazy. But Pat Mahomes is one of the most talented quarterbacks ever play, and Andy Reid's one of the best head coaches ever. Like, you're in love with Eric Bonnie's unknown. Look at Andy Reid's offensive coaches that become NFL head coaches, and look how quickly they die off. You want to try that again? You really want to go down that route again? I'd rather go with a completely different route, like the, the Lincoln-Riley route. I know that's people are like, well, that's college again. Lincoln Riley's not Chip Kelly, so I'm not really concerned. I'm not really comparing that situation at all. I think Lincoln Riley would definitely handle it well in the NFL. But if you want to, if you want to make that argument, that's fine. There's a guy named Brian Dabble out in uh, Buffalo who has succeeded at the college level and the NFL level. He's done stuff with Jalen Hurts in Alabama. He's done great stuff with Josh Allen in Buffalo. He's got some great coaching experience in New England as well in his background. That's a guy that I can get behind. Joe Brady. I mean literally put Joe Burrow on the map and showed really propelled him to reach his peak as his true talent is. That's some guy I definitely want as well. And not only that for a team that struggles to scheme for the receivers, I would love a head coach like Joe Brady who makes his offense completely dependent on receivers in the passing game. So uh, those are just a few guys off the top of my head since I see a bunch of comments are uh, asking who's going to be, but I, I, I really think they got to go with an offensive guy, obviously like you said as well, but uh, my, my top guys, Lincoln Riley, uh, Brian Dabble, and Joe Brady, right off the top of the head right there. I don't know if, uh, Ed, you've thought of anybody yet. Well, I, I like those candidates for sure, um, you know, and it will be an offensive guy. But if you look at Lurie's history of hiring coaches, I mean, he, he kind of goes, you know, off the board uh, with his picks. I mean, who are, who heard of Andy Reid when when they brought him in here back in 1999? I mean, he's a He's a quarterback coach, no real track record, uh, and he hires him and, and, you know, Reed's now a Hall of Fame uh, coach. Uh, you know, Ray Rhodes even, bringing Ray Rhodes in. And then Doug Peterson, you know, nobody really had any idea that Peterson was going to be the, the coach here. You know, they're interviewing Gaze and McAdoo and, you know, all these names, and then Lurie goes off the board and hires Peterson. So, I mean, you know, we, we're throwing these names out there, and these are all names we, we've heard of. You almost have to kind of look at the next layer and see, you know, who's a quarterback coach somewhere that might be ready to step up and become a head coach like Andy Reid did. So, you know, look beyond the obvious is what I'm saying. I mean, look for names that maybe we're not as well acquainted with as some of the ones you threw out there, Connor. 
This is a good comment right here. Mike McDaniel. I kind of was hoping for him as an offensive coordinator last year, uh, openly on the podcast. So that's a great name. That's something that goes along the lines of what Ed you're saying now. Mike McDaniel's a, a up and coming coach in San Francisco. He's not a household name yet. So that goes along the lines of a guy right there. I think that'd be a great hire too. I, I mean, I, that's a huge jump for him, but I mean, I'm all for it. Tyler, what other guys are you thinking of all the top guys too? I just, uh, like I said, Arthur I mean, Smith in Tennessee, Arthur Smith in Tennessee too. I forgot to shout him out. I think Arthur Smith in Tennessee would be good. I, I mean, I just go through the process. Well, the biggest thing for me is I want to plan at the quarterback position and I want to know yeah. what, and, and somebody said, would you roll with Hertz or would you roll with Wentz? I would ask the same thing to the coach. And if, if they say, you know, I want to, I want to have a QB competition and so be it. But I want to see a plan in place. So as far as like specific names, I do like um, Joe Brady uh, probably or Lincoln Riley the most. But I mean, how realistic is that? I, I don't. The biggest thing with Riley is he can't be plucked out of Geo yeah, saying or me. Yeah, mm. <laughs> um, I would take it. I would absolutely take it, Geo. Yeah, you can definitely be the head coach of the Eagles. I'm good with that. But yeah, and then what the Bills OC did with um, with Josh Allen this year. I mean. That's definitely enticing because I mean he's built just like Carson Wentz and they're they're very similar in styles, so that has to be at least intriguing. You know he knows your other quarterback too, so I mean that quarterback battle right there would be nice. I whatever as long as we're all on the fire dog train, that's good enough for me. Get him I, the hell away! Thank here's you. Here's what else I want to get into. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. But uh, here's what. I really wanted to touch on that. A lot of people I thought were being, I mean, ridiculous about, and Ed started, said it to start off the show, but I wanted to elaborate on this. Uh, yeah. Jalen Hurts wasn't that great yesterday, but I think it was the product of the offense being as bad as it is. And it showed, I mean, this, the system, this offense, I mean, it's just bad all around. I mean, yes, you can look at the personnel and point at them and say that that's the reason why, because they're not that great either, but uh, there's nothing creative about this offense. There's nothing exciting about this offense. Doug doesn't know how to sustain a lead anymore. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. I'm not Do sure you if you really knew Was it halftime yesterday? Was it 23 17? 20 to 17. Yeah. Do we know how many runs Miles Sanders had in the second half? Four. Yeah. But like, well, this is just the same thing. Did it against Cleveland. Yeah, it's, like it just, it's just the same song and dance. It's so annoying because Miles Sanders was having a game. He, he seemed to be playing well. I, I don't understand it. it. How do you not have a run plan, running game plan for a team that can't tackle? I mean, the, the Dallas Cowboys are notoriously, you know, they're matadors. They're Olay and they let you go through, you know? I mean, you can... You can easily run on them. You can easily uh, impose your will on the Dallas Cowboys as far as the run game goes. But again, Doug is a gunslinger. You know, he he likes to pass, 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 pass. Uh, and 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 all this talk about Doug, uh, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, we're, I mean, Schwartz should, should be uh, on the hot seat a little bit too with you know everything that happened on the defense. With if you, you get know, rid of Doug, you get rid of Schwartz. It's a package yeah. deal. You don't, you don't you don't bring him back. You know, Schwartz was the first to be hired. He should be the first to be fired because, I mean, you're up, you know, yeah, of course you're up 17 points, but, I mean, some of those passes that just looked way too easy, it looked like seven on seven out there, just the way, you know, Dallas was passing the ball down the field and nobody had to answer for him. I mean, they had a little bit of a, a spark when Slay, uh, you know, did the interception and, and brought it back. But then, again, Back to Doug. Your point with the with the false starts. You know we, you know we were right on the you know the twenty five, and then we're always already back near the fifty. It's like, you know, just when you get a little bit ahead, you know they they you know another Godfather reference. They keep sucking you back, you know, towards the uh, middle of the field. But I think we're I think we're seeing. That. I mean, yes, the quarterback position is very important, but at the end of the day, it's not a quarterback league. This is a situation league, yeah. and if if these guys if these guys aren't surrounded, I mean, you're talking about the the offensive line is on like its twelfth different rotation. I mean, the injuries are all plagued, and then the play calling. It eventually, I'm not sure a guy like 
just a sustained top, like a for sure top five quarterback could come in here and, and hide these flaws. Like there's just so much going on where, so yeah, I mean, I thought Hertz is going back to the original question that brought this thing up. Hertz's running ability has been the most impressive thing to me. And what I think it's masking the most is if you rush four, it's slowing the rush down because they have to play, I guess, disciplined where if you over pursue, he just takes that crease every single time and he gets a, a eight to 10 yard run. So what's helping is the offensive line seems to be protecting him better than they were with Wentz because Wentz's ability to run seemed to be non-existent at the second half of the season. So as far as like the arm and decision-making, it's really hard to evaluate with what kind of situation Hertz is in. But overall, I'm still impressed by the guy. I love his mentality. I think he makes some throws. His deep ball is another thing that's been impressed. And then I don't know if you guys remember, but that throw to Alshon Jeffrey, uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter, yeah. the, co the cover two beater. I mean, that was that's a big boy throw. So like there's things that you can take away. And yeah, he struggled, but it's 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 a positive i guess i mean it's not as positive as the first two weeks but you can't expect a rookie to just dominate for four straight weeks i just it seemed um that seemed unrealistic i think he did well for somebody who had three and a half games without a, a proper introduction into the nfl whether it's through uh an offseason otas you know getting them acclimated to the, the, the world of the NFL. I think he did fairly well. I think he uh, held his own, but again, the call playing did him no justice. And his deep ball to Deshaun. I mean, that was a beautiful play. Like, I mean, there was, yeah, there were a few things to take away from and, and still be excited about. Yeah. I mean, look, it was, it was his third start. I think he tried to do too much to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think he really wanted to kind of obviously win that game and he's, Made some bad decisions there, throwing that ball in the end zone, throwing an end zone interception, um, lost that fumble. Um, questionable. I mean, they reviewed it and they determined that the ball was moving and doesn't um, So it survived the review, so you have to go with it. Uh, but I just think he tried to do a little bit too much. And then the last interception, you know, you're trying to get, you know, you're scrambling. There's less than four, you know, I think there's four minutes to go in the game. Um, but, you know, it was tough for him. You know, his first trip back to Texas, uh, you know, his home state where he grew up, his family was there to watch him play as a pro for the first time. I mean, um, you know, the urgency might have been a little too too big for him there um, with all those factors. Um, but again, his third start, I think he's kind of was the victim of an offense that just is injured and is kind of just wandering cluelessly with Doug Peterson not uh, being able to coordinate an offense. I mean, a lot of times the plays that were sent in looked rushed. Um, you know, yes. didn't give Hurts a lot of time at the line of scrimmage to kind of look at the defense because the play clock is winding down. It it almost seems to me like Doug's just pulling plays out of a hat with, you know, 12 seconds to go on the play clock and getting them in. I mean, that that's an uncoordinated offense that he's running because he's the offensive coordinator and the head coach. Um, you know, we talk about him not coming back. I mean, what if Lurie says, look, you have to, we have to bring in an offensive coordinator for, for you and you're going to have to give up play calling, uh, you know, and we're going to fire Jim Schwartz. I mean, you feel bad for Schwartz because the defense is so undermanned. You looked at those players that he had to go with yesterday. You know, he had like four undrafted rookie free agents that played a lot of snaps, including a guy that was on the Saints to start the season as an undrafted rookie free agent, Joe Bechey. I think is how you say it, the yeah. linebacker. Um, but, you know, Graylin Arnold plays 42 snaps. Jaquette plays 40 snaps. I mean, these are guys that weren't – these are undrafted free agents. And um, But still, he's very stubborn with his scheme. He doesn't seem to have any flexibility. That's an issue for Jim. And and to give up a, a 500 yards of total offense two weeks in a row, no, no matter who's out there, uh, is just an indictment on Schwartz, I think, not so much the injuries because – you have to kind of know what personnel you have and you have to uh, play to their strengths and try to disguise their weaknesses. And for some reason he just doesn't, you know, he sticks to his scheme regardless. So um, yeah, I think he's gone and, 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 uh, and, and 
It also didn't help that uh, Cox went out early in the game with a stinger too, and <laughs> yeah. that pressure up front. So at least, at least Cox finally showed the city of Philadelphia what his impact is, because we're, we're all crying about his box score stats. At least yeah. that was finally on full display for you there, like that. How broken that team can, that defense could possibly be without Fletcher Cox's impact out there was incredibly noticeable. Yeah, but you still have guys you're paying a ton of money to. Right, they should have stepped up. I agree with you. Million. Javon Hargrave's making ten. I mean, yeah. wh- where do they go? I mean, okay, you lose Cox, but now you got these two other guys you're paying millions of dollars to that, you know, frankly didn't play well at all. And you're and you know, Raekwon Williams is in there, another undrafted free agent playing twenty snaps. But you know, you got three big big hitters in there. When you lose one, you shouldn't have that big collapse where Zeke Elliott's picking up these. Huge chunks on the ground. He goes over 100 yards and no pass rush. I mean, Jackson and Hargrave had to step up, and I didn't see it. I think it's ridiculous that if this defense can't stop the run, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. They immediately just – like how many times do we see graphics of like this ex-quarterback is is thrown 13 straight completions yeah. <laughs> or like it's happened like four times this year. Uh, the fact that they just let Andy Dalton have that type of game, yes, there's unrestricted uh, – free agents and rookies playing, but your defensive line is your strength. And yes, Cox was out, but like you said, Ed, I mean, you're paying too much money to let that type of thing happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's predictable. Like if you, if this defense, if you see them start to give up like two 10 yard runs in the first quarter, you're like, it's going to be a long day because they, then they fall for the play action. The linebackers are already bad. So it's, yeah, I love Schwartz. He has these like huge up and down. It's like his career with the Philadelphia Eagles has been super like roller coasty. He'll have these stretches where it's the defense looks awesome. And then there's times where bad quarterbacks or average quarterbacks just torch us. And it's like, why is yeah, I don't I can't believe Andy Dalton did that. It's it's yeah. one thing it's one thing to give up five hundred yards to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. It's another thing to give up five hundred yards to Ginger Stallbach. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and, and then we're still seeing jet sweeps. I mean, CD Lamb scores the final touchdown on an easy, you know, end yeah, around. They cannot adjust that I mean, how many times have we seen that going back to, you know, the, the Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh and, you know, the Rams, the Rams. Yeah, the Rams are really just exposed us for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and here it is, week 15, 16, and we're still seeing it being an issue. I mean, I, they can't stop it. No, Groundhog uh, Day. Yep. <laughs> going back to going back to Hurts though. Uh, for everyone that's killing him, I think what I, we saw, what we knew, this offense is broken. The passing offense, excuse me, is really broken. I mean, his mobility masked how broken the passing offense was the last couple of weeks. That's what the difference was, and why it was so exciting. Uh, just a broken passing offense. You have to get rid of the offensive play caller. You have to move on from that system. I they can't blame. We thought they were. Exactly. They were. Yeah, exactly. And they are what they think we think they are, you know? Look, a lot of people are like, you know, they felt some kind of righteousness. In what Jalen Hurst said yesterday, because they're like, look, Carson, like this, is what we had to deal with all season long. It looks exactly the same. What's the difference? Like, Okay, you're right, but I mean that doesn't take away from Jalen Hurts' talent. Still, like oh, he's, he's playing this, he's in the same bad offense as Carson Wentz was in. Like that's it. That's the only difference. He's still in a bad, broken offense, no matter what the quarterback is. They're both just really talented guys. I'll continue to beat this drum. I, I understand how he has had misses on defense as well, but I am going to pull back a little bit, like. We we mentioned how many guys outside of this scheme go out and thrive, and just at the receiver position, when you factor in a Golden Tate, that the, the offense had no idea how to utilize him. He goes to New York and he's playing just well. Nelson Aguilar with Vegas, it's I have a hard time. Like, yeah, Jay Jaw hasn't panned out, but I have a really hard time even. It, I'm more so putting blame on the coaching staff for lack of putting these guys in in not winnable situations more than this front office has no idea how to find talent be that. And I'll run with that and I'll, I'll give it one more year. It's, it's really hard for me to criticize even like an Andre Dillard. Like I just, and he's probably more of the mental side than, than he is the physical side, but I, I'm a little more, I'm more refrained to, 
to continue to just beat that drum of like, you know, how he keeps me. I do, I'm a firm believer that there's no way Justin Jefferson is playing well in this scheme. I, yes, he, he probably is playing better than Rager. I agree. But it's just so difficult to evaluate these guys. Just like we said, hurts. There's things that we could pull away from this game, but we understand like this isn't a situation where these guys can thrive. So that's a good point. And if, if there's that big, if there's that big of a disconnect with the front office and the coaching staff, and we're going to continue to miss on these guys because they're not being put in the right situations, you got to get this head coach out of here. Yeah, I really think that. You, you, I don't think Doug Peterson can coach outside t- passing tight ends. He you, can't coach you, out. He can't scheme for receivers. You definitely hit the head on the a nail on the head when you you know you brought up Golden Tate. I mean, you you you, you trade for the guy, and the guy's totally transparent until the big play in Chicago where he scores that one touchdown. Other than that, where was nothing? And then Mike, then Mike Rose says in the press conference, "Well, we haven't have figured out a way to use him in our offense. Then why did you trade for him?" You right. Know? And then that's a disconnect, right? Because clearly in these meetings that they have weekly, I'm sure there's a manager meeting with the coaching staff. Clearly they said, we need to upgrade the receiver position. So they, how we said, all right, I'll go get you a guy. And also think about the disconnect with the, we, Ed, we talked about it, the running back position, the coaching staff, let how we know it, it, to me in my head, miles is going to be the three down guy. How many times was it the actual three down guy? He, he's not featured that often. And then in the beginning of the season, he got hurt and there was nobody behind him. So there's just, it's not just drafting. The disconnect is apparent in signings as well. Yeah. And then, and then curiously, they bring up Jordan Howard, who I thought should have been on the team from day one. Day one. Um, and just kind of give him two carries and don't give him to Sanders. I mean, there's just doesn't seem to be a plan. Again, to me, it just comes down to the lack of coordination of the offense and, Doug's the offensive coordinator, and he's not coordinating it very well, to be honest. So that's the biggest indictment to me, that and the preparation, um, the lack of preparation. From all the he's the uncoordinator. Yeah, I, yeah, he's the uncoordinator. I mean, he needs an offensive – even if the offensive coordinator isn't calling plays, at least he's someone there that you can bounce ideas off of. Now you have Press Taylor and Jeff Stoutland. I mean, who are you going to here? You have a lot of voices, just a lot of uh, too too many voices, not enough focus, and, and you see it on game day. It's a very disjointedly run offense. Couldn't agree more. And stop giving up on Rager, everybody. Just be patient with him. We talked about the microwave era. Yes, he's not thriving, but. The situation sucks. He does look a little bit lazy at times in route running. Um, I mean, that's to be better. I've seen better play calling with a with, from a bunny rabbit jumping on a PlayStation controller than with Doug doing right now. So I mean, right, Rager hat, right, and I like I get look, I get ads on my Twitter every Sunday. I feel like because of how much I was on the Rager train this off season of people trolling me about it. Like, I get it. He needs to be better. He does need to be better. They're right. I, I, I have to sit back and just take my L right now. But I will tell you right now, and Tyler hit it on the head perfectly, that coach that they have does not know how to scheme for receivers. And if you think so, you're full of shit. I will tell you that right now you are. And so when they and- get a new head coach in here and Rager's in the new system next year, they have a real full offseason and they make that decision at quarterback because I think they should go in with the new head coach and do quarterback battle and just decided best man wins with the new head coach in the new system. They By the way, there, D- Devontae Adams had 38 catches his rookie year with Aaron Rodgers. He was, he was not good his first two years in the league. And yes. I get it. And Reg, and look, I talked to Monte Rager frequently. Ed and I talked to him for on the podcast. He always brings up to Jalen right away. He goes, Hey man, Reggie Wayne struggled. Like I was there. He had Peyton Manning throwing him the ball and he, could not make his impact his first couple of years in the league. And then he, the lights just went on in his head. The lights have to turn on in your head as a young player when you transition to the league. There's always going to be that moment where the light's on. It's there. How can you have that in this offense? Because nobody in that offense has that right now. So how can you expect a rookie during a pandemic to get there? Look, if if Breaker struggles next year, then I'm going to call – then I might call a spade a spade. I might finally cave into what people are saying, but – uh, I'm going to give him another chance next year in a new offense because 
If you think this coach and this offense and this staff can scheme for receivers, I don't know what you're watching. <laughs> I uh, I love his talent. I love his ability. I am a little nervous because the thing that did show up on tape at TCU was he would sometimes look a little like he's just not fully there dejected. when running. Yeah, and and a, dejected, a, a, yes. it was easy to point blame at the bad quarterback. But now maybe it's just pointing blame at the bad offensive scheme. Even if it, yeah, even if it's a bad quarterback, you don't do that in the NFL, bud. Like, that's, yeah, this you is can't. A, this is a grown man's league. Like, especially in Philly, you, you gotta especially give it. Yeah, Philly. you gotta effort every single snap. It will get there. I just think the lights need to turn on, and uh, the lights didn't even turn on for Doug Peterson this season. So how can I expect it to turn on for a rookie wide receiver? I, uh, we'll, I we'll revisit it next year. I saw an interview with Chris Long where he talked about his first couple seasons. In the NFL and just the speed of the game and adapting to that speed, he said, "I felt like I was standing in the middle of a, a, a highway with all these cars zooming by me." But eventually, like like you said, that light bulb goes off, and the, the the game the game starts coming to you instead of you going to the game. Maybe that's all neat, you know. Re, you know, a guy like a regular needs is just to get used to the speed of the game and get proper coaching. You know, you know, you know what I am tired of though. This has been about four years now ever since Carson Wentz we haven't had a rookie just come out and have a Justin Jefferson type season we have we like not an Odell season or like there wasn't a guy who just came out and dominated and right Miles Sanders think, has been their most exciting rookie he was the, honestly yeah, he was the closest yeah. right it, the cool thing though is they have a top 10 pick and typically top 10 picks can have that kind of impact so I will say I'm excited about that this hopefully, is um hope this the 2021 Eagles, yeah, the 2021 Eagles will need that type of impact. So they better hit this pick right because they're going to need that type of impact on this team. There's going to be a lot of changes coming this offseason. What a great time to have a podcast. What a great time because we're going to be discussing that. If there's uh, a top, so if there's a top corner available, corner corner receiver are obviously two two big needs. I think this team does so well at drafting the trenches that I don't think that they need to to take one in the top 10, like an O-line or D-line. Um, but I do think, yeah, I think I think corner is the biggest need. I just don't know if this is a cornerback class to have a top 10 guy. I know they're certain from Bama. I don't, I don't know how much you guys know about him, but I'm a little skeptical on him. There's also a Virginia Tech kid that's getting a lot of pub. I think Farley's his name, something mm-hmm. Farley, not Chris, but something Farley. I'll say definitely um, not Chris Farley, but yeah, I think it's no, Big Farley. No, there's a Farley from Virginia Tech. I mean, I, I can – Count on one hand how many times I saw Virginia Tech play the last three years, and that would be zero. That's where my dad went to college, man. Go Hokies. Yeah, he would know then. Um, God, you know, may he rest in peace. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I really haven't studied the cornerback play. I haven't either. Not uh, yet. Wide receiver seems, you know, the obvious ones, you know, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase. Right. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot to focus on right now. Yeah, we'll yeah, definitely yeah. get into the we'll we'll get into the draft this offseason for sure. I'm trying to figure out who's gonna be coaching my team <laughs> in two weeks because black yeah. money is coming, guys. And I think Doug Peterson's gonna be on that block. But let's wrap it up, fellas. It's 52 minutes of great Eagles talk. This was really what I needed. A good venting session with the fans and it's a shame feedback black, as always. It's, it's a shame Black Monday won't be on uh, New Year's Day. You'd have a double celebration, you know. Uh, <laughs> but by the way, let me ask you that, Ed. Do you think like I remember Chip was fired heading into week seventeen, I think, game, against, yeah. against the Giants. So Shermer, the last coach that year, Shermer coached the final game. Do you think they you, won? Yeah, they did. They did. The game was a, I was a run up the middle, which was apropos to say the least that year. <laughs> Just setting a statement. Do you, yeah. do Ed? Do you think that? This is something. Well, I mean, I guess my answer is kind of already there. I, I, I guess I wasn't wouldn't have been surprised if there's going to be like a a Sunday report, right? Because it seems like every Sunday there's a report that comes out for the Eagles from Schefter or somebody. Like, is there going to be a report that says that it's like it's done? Like, there's this cloud over over Doug and he's going to be done? Or do you think that they're going to take their time with this? Is it going to be dragged out? But you also don't want to miss out on opportunities. Well, you know, um, John McMullen, who, who writes. Uh, with me. Um, he wrote a good story about that, that being eliminated now kind of gives Lurie this week to kind of cool off a little bit and kind of reassess, you know, so it doesn't have to be done 
in you know right after the game ends. He has this full week now to kind of evaluate, kind of see how he feels about things. So I I could see if they're going to make a move that it's going to happen um, much sooner rather than later. And I think it could be you know Monday morning or maybe something leaks Sunday that that that's it. But I think having that night game will probably push it into, you know, a Monday, Monday, maybe even a Tuesday type decision because, you know, the, the flexing of the game and, and you know, prolonging the misery of Eagles fans by making, you know, <laughs> making them wait. Out in style. They're setting Doug out in style, man. Last, last game of the night, you know, grand finale. That was a stunner. That was a stunner to flex that game to 820. But I couldn't um, believe that. Yeah. I and mean, that- I, I think that – uh, Jeffrey now this week can kind of with a clear head and not filled with emotion and make an emotional decision. Now he can kind of, uh, you know, look back on things and, and kind of get his mind right before he makes this decision. Uh, would- real quick, uh, real quick, Beanie. when, yeah. when they fired Chip Kelly, I, I thought I remember reading, I think Jeff McLean reported it, that Larry had his mind made up that they were moving on after the Thanksgiving game. I believe it was. Do you think that against I mean cuz I believe against the Lions it was it was one of those games against the Lions of the Bucks when they got blown out like bad. Yeah. Uh I thought there was times in the season where you can take those games and you could say this is it for you Doug. Like this was the this was the nail in the coffin that could have been there already for Lurie. Do you think there's that's been a chance like there's been something like that again that happened this year cuz I mean there's some bad losses on the schedule. Yeah, there are, and I did have one in my mind there, and now it's it's left my mind. But um, the Chip Chip Kelly thing, yeah, there were two blowout losses. They lost, I think, to the Dolphins on Sunday, and then they went to Detroit and got waxed again. Um, and those two losses were pretty bad. There was a Tampa. Jameis Winston destroyed them. Yeah, yeah, awful. Yeah, um, I'm not sure where that was in the sequence. Maybe it was coming out of Detroit or going before Miami. I think Detroit was the Thanksgiving Day game. It was. Yeah, yeah. It Lewis, was after Lewis Miami Riddick. because Lewis Bradford Riddick. got hurt. Miami. I mean, not in Miami. Against Miami, Sanchez starts against Detroit, and I think Bucks was right after, or something like that. But it was awful, no matter what. I didn't want to remember it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. The the amazing thing about the Chip Kelly firing, uh, I remember I was listening to the press conference that day. He got fired. Somebody asked him about personnel decisions, and Chip Kelly goes, "I'm not responsible for personnel decisions." I oh yeah, he did. Yeah, three <laughs> hours he was fired. Uh, I heard. I also heard the icing on the cake was he he uh, forced Jeffrey Lurie to uh, move the Christmas party so the team could uh, have their proper preparation for the game, and then he didn't even bother coming to the the Christmas party himself, right? And stuff like that. Just like he was such a curmudgeon around the uh, the. The the jokes around like Howie and Chip, like about how Howie just had this like dedicated little office and like just, like that it was, was it was so somebody ugly. it was like uh, somebody right they made a comic of that where Howie's on the little closet office at the end and Chip's on the other side making all the personal just, dude that was fun it was funny sorry not fun it was not fun it was funny. It was still shocking when it happened. I mean, and that, won't, that won't happen with Doug. But I mean, you know, that I remember I was just about ready to file a story on him saying he had no responsibility for the personnel <laughs> decisions. I'm just about finished. I was working for a newspaper at the time. I'm ready to file it. It's like 630 in the evening, maybe around that time. And then an email pops in from the Eagles saying Chip Kelly's been relieved of his duties. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a, a friend playing a trick on me or something. I, I, had to, I had to read it twice. I mean, I was I was stunned that it happened I then. That. Um, and of course, you know that story never saw the light of day, and you know uh, we moved on from there. But that won't happen with Doug. I mean, you know Jeff, you know, the guy won a Super Bowl. I mean, they're going to yeah. Give there's got to be respect. Yeah, definitely got to be respect in this whole situation. No, no doubt. And look, I think Doug gets a. I think he gets a job. I think he'll get hired again. So I'm not going to feel too awful about it. I think he bounces, but I don't know if he bounces back as a head coach, but I think he gets another job out of this. So I'm sure the Jets would love to take him. Yeah, I, that's the really the team I think he goes to is the Jets. I think yeah. that's him and Joe Douglas teaming up again. I mean, Joe Douglas with the familiarity and having to really have to turn the tide with the Jets. Yeah. Uh, I think that plays a huge role into it, but I think he bounces back 
in a, getting a head coaching job at least. But I mean, it's just time. I mean, the icing's on the cake. They knew. I mean, really, after Chip said that, though, he really was the one who put the nail in the coffin on that. I mean, that was super smug to do that. I mean, I, that's why Larry's like, get him out of here. Escort yeah. him out of the building immediately. Within three hours of him saying that, it was like, dude, 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 dude. Chip Kelly fired. So he couldn't have timed it even any better. Yeah. Yeah. That was- I remember back then, I was thinking, you know what? Chip deserves another year. They went 10 and 6, 10 and 6. Like, this is the only too. bad losing season. He deserves another year. And people probably think, like, whoever thought that back then is crazy, but you can give Doug a chance and actually give good reasoning now. And I'm like, no, I'll get rid of him. <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, 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 sorry, get rid of him. He's got to go, man. It's so funny, man. But but Chip's offense died in Philadelphia. His decision-making died in Philadelphia. Doug's offense died in Philadelphia. That's the way I look at it. But Chip was the ultimate gimmick. He was just the, – the, he was good the first you know year, and then everybody else just caught up to him. You know, well, his offense was a gimmick. It wasn't supposed to sustain in the NFL, and it was it was proven. There was, he couldn't adjust. It's me. He couldn't adjust the system to the NFL. That's just what it is, what it is. Well, he also tried to treat grown-ass men like, you know, they're high school kids. And, you know, you, you can't do the things you're doing in college when you, you know, you don't have a, as deep a roster. You know, in college, you can have endless players. And, you know, okay, you don't want You can sit down. You can't do that in the NFL. These are grown men. Mm-hmm. Grown right, men, humans, you know. I just remember, because uh, I'm, I'm not sure that you, Ned, would be familiar with this. But uh, I my second episode with Eagles Brawl, I interviewed Julian Monterveldi, and he said I asked him a question. I said, "When did you know that the Chip Kelly experiment wasn't going to work?" And he said, "Probably the third day of training camp." I was like, "The third day of training camp of 2013." He goes, "Yeah, because Jason Kelsey had a freaking meltdown and told everybody to stop treating him like he was a child. He's a grown ass man, and then he stomped off the field and he never came back for the rest of the day." He goes, that's when I really knew because that man is never irrational. That's the first time I've seen him irrational that this might not work. So yeah. it, it's really crazy. Dave was really true. He really treated grown ass men like they were little kids, like they were little yep. college kids. He, but now all right, let's pull. You go to bed at nine o'clock, get your rest. You know, I wish, I wish he panned out simply because he was fun with the media. He knew how to keep <laughs> good players healthy, man, because the Eagles have not been able to say, oh, yeah, that too. That that too. You're Bring the smoothies back to Novacare, please. Get them in these guys' systems. They need something. Oh my God, they're always injured. Yeah. So let's do some plugins real quick and end the show, guys, because this has been a great episode. So again, you can find all of Ed's articles and John McMullen's on the Eagles Sports Illustrated on, uh, sorry, Sports Illustrated Maven on Eagles Maven page. Ed is killing it with the analysts lately, and John always bringing in his. Opinionated articles are great reading material. I highly recommend if you want to get away from the hoppy, the hoppy. Why do we say that? The the clickbait era of stuff. We can call it hot bait. It is hot bait. It really yeah, is. Hot bait and clickbait. I mean, you're really kind of mixing your. Uh, it's all bait. It's all bait. Yeah, it's all bait. But go check out Ed stuff. I mean, look, if you just want honest analysts, him and John are perfect for you there. And then Meanie, I'm gonna let you go ahead and plug in the mind of the Meanie, one of my new favorite podcasts. Well, thank you very much. If you want to uh, listen to everything else I got to say from pro wrestling sports, uh, movies, useless knowledge, pro wrestling, I have a a podcast that drops every Monday morning at 6 a.m. called Mind of the Meanie. Uh, Me and myself uh, and Josh Chernoff host that uh, every Monday morning. If you uh, prefer, you know, listen to your podcast on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com slash mind of the meanie. Also, if you would like to support the blue meanie and uh, get some uh, some fine blue meanie swag, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash blue meanie. Uh, if you, uh, I did really good over the, the Christmas season with uh, Cameo at cameo.com slash blue meanie BWO. If you want me to wish you a happy new year's, I could do that as well. Go over to cameo.com slash blue meanie BWO. And as always, you can go to DraftKings.com. Football's almost over, but not as your chance to win money. Eagles Brawl provide this promo all year long. You go to DKNG.co slash BrawlPod. Minimum deposit $5 for your chance to win millions. We credit your account each week with a free entry on DraftKings. That's DKNG.co slash BrawlPod. Also go to Manscaped.com. Promo code Brawl, B-R-A-W-L. Send Jeffrey Lurie a nice package so he can finally find his balls. 
and get rid of this awful coaching staff and Howie Roseman. That's promo code BRAWL, B-R-A-W-L on manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping. Send it to the Novacare Complex so Lurie gets his shape up that he's going to need to fire these guys. <laughs> Yo, I'm not going to lie. Manscaped reached out to me and said that these are some great promos that I'm doing for uh, the, the, to hype them up. They're like, we're loving this, uh, calling these guys out for not having balls thing. It's working out pretty well. And I'm like, hey, man, I mean, thank the Eagles. <laughs> they make it easy for me. It's nice segues. If you're tired right, of guys, if you're tired of your if you're tired of your crotch looking like a baby in the beanbag chair, go to Manscaped. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.